0: Welcome to Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. Today, we're joined by friend of the show, Katie Brown. We talk about how doubt emerges in both our creative endeavors and in leadership roles, as well as how we combat it. So, let's get into it. Finally rounding out the roulette of guests uh, From people that specifically I worked with I guess at the video production team back at Juniata We have Katie Brown joining us Uh, Welcome to Write That Down, Katie Welcome Thank
1: thank you for having me, guys I'm happy to be here
0: Yeah, so uh, we had Alex on previously Who was the uh, manager when I joined And you were already working there Uh, And then... You became the manager, and then I became assistant manager, and then we had Fisher on. Fisher was actually our first guest, mm-hmm. and so we're, we're kind of closing the cycle, even though there are further managers after that, uh, but I don't know them, so here well, we are. Well, it sounds like
1: it needs to be a rite of passage. Every single VPT manager yeah. <laughs> has to
0: be on, write that down. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what, what I meant to do before we started recording was, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode was uh, do you remember katie and i'm sure you do when we wrote a script uh for a web series called staff only that the video production team used to do uh that i never got to do it was an office style mockumentary thing uh and we wanted to bring it back and so it was us fisher and i think a couple other people who were working on the script. Do you remember that?
1: As, do I remember that? Listen, <laughs> as if it wasn't my magnum opus the whole time I was at I mm-hmm. Us writing this feature-length series finale <laughs> for staff only, essentially. Yeah. A, a, uh, that a series only,
0: that was like eight yeah. minutes long at most per episode, but we yeah, had well, this like us, 36-page script. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was insane. It was so like well done and we yeah. had so much fun doing it and then it just... Uh, you know, with everybody's schedules and stuff got in the way, and we weren't able to actually film almost any of it. <laughs> it was really sad. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think we did two scenes. I think we did like one actual scene, and then you doing a talking head. Yeah, uh, and then that was <laughs> the Wait, end of that. So
2: that's out there. No,
0: nope. it's not out <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, it's probably I'm, saved on like
1: the VPT computers somewhere. Yeah, and, it's and, like, probably an old like, file, deep, deep yeah. in
0: the in the trenches of VPT hard drives. Huh. But yeah, I meant to go back and read that just because that was that was a very interesting and I'm not saying interesting as a derogatory negative way. It was an interesting experience of, you know, having that writer's room mentality. And most of it was us goofing off and coming up with jokes that we weren't going to use.
1: I mean, I think that that Uh, was a really great example of just having so much excitement and passion around like writing and creating something because I, I mean, I know that at least for me and I'm assuming for all the other people who had signed up and volunteered their time, you know, they're busy college students have jobs and lots of work to do. But to just like dedicate a bunch of time to write this yeah. like extremely long, ridiculous script for the series that we wanted to write. Um, yeah. It was just so much fun to be in that, in that room with everybody. yeah So, so sad it didn't get to be made, though.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe someday. <laughs>
1: It's not too late. (laughs) It's
0: it's it's never too late to go back to college. We'll be like
1: 40. We'll go back. We'll do it. No one will even know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, why don't... uh, I mean, so today we're talking about doubt. And I I, I think it's especially relevant in that writing situation. Because, I mean, with that writer's room mentality, it's easy to just throw things at the wall and then just see if it bounces off of other people and see what they think. But uh, I feel like when... You're writing alone. There's a lot more opportunity for your brain to tell you to stop and question everything that you're doing. Uh, But before we get into all of that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie? Uh, Usually what we like to ask our guests is, what would you call yourself? Because we think that that just gives us a better idea of of who you are and what you're about more than any intro intro bio that we give you. I love that.
1: I'm Katie. (laughs) I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I would call myself, uh, I refer to myself on in my Instagram bio, which I think is a very apt description of who I am as a person, as a writer with eternal writer's block. Mm, so nice. I, you know, I've, dub- I've done lots of different kinds of stuff. I've, you know, dabbled in video production, obviously, as part of the VBT and um, different digital creation things, but mm. I think ultimately I'm a writer at heart. If only I can just, you know, stop having a ball and chain attached to me when it comes to <laughs> writing.
0: Now, where where did that start for you? Uh was there any like big writing projects before staff only? Or I guess but uh going a little further in, you did a senior thesis uh short film called Twenty Three Miss Calls from Mom. Wait, was it twenty three or sure twenty one?
1: Oh, God, I think it was 21.
0: (laughs) It's one of those. The the number is Uh, not significant. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You did a short film. You you wrote that. And and, uh, I was very happy to be part of, you know, the process of making that. But what was kind of your origins with, you know, becoming a a writer uh, and realizing that that was something you wanted to pursue?
1: I have been writing since I could read. Since I could write, oh, since I knew how to well, write, I've know. been writing. Yeah, so yeah, well, <laughs> not saying I'm, I've been writing good. Like I wouldn't publish anything I wrote when I was six years old, but actually I did. I laminated a story I wrote when I was six years old and they gave it to my grandparents for Christmas. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was great. I should revisit that. I think it's a work that I think I could improve a lot. <laughs> um, but I mean, essentially, I went to college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I was good at writing. And I knew that I could do it. So I kind of just ended up pursuing it as my career or as my, you know, as part of what I was going to study in college. And then I also just kind of like found video along the way. Um, And, you know, writing for video, especially was something that I was really passionate about. Um, But I think especially when you're writing for yourself like when you're just writing you know prose or you know a book or whatever it is like it doesn't necessarily have to be seen by anybody and I guess it's the same for video but technically when you're kind of writing to make a video you're writing for it to eventually be acted and performed by people and seen and shown to like an audience so that's kind of where like the seeds of doubt like really ingrained themselves in me is when I was like starting to do that kind of stuff because I'm already a a pretty insecure writer in general even just with my own stuff that i write and don't show to anybody but the fact that i had to then write things and then have to think about how they would be interpreted and acted out by people and then watched on a screen was terrifying
0: yeah sure <laughs> so yeah. yeah i i definitely empathize with that because yeah there there is a a certain a certain concern that gets into your mind when you are writing for video where you know it is writing with it in mind that it will be in front of people at some point uh so yeah that that is definitely something that is worrisome and uh usually uh, my two concerns as i'm trying to write something are going to be that uh that uh i'm i need to make sure this is good before i put it out uh, in front of somebody uh but then i also have the concern of i want to write something I just want to get something down on the page so that I have something to show, but I don't want to show it because it's not good. And so it's kind of yep. that, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy of all that. So, yeah, that, that's definitely something that uh, I can uh, agree with. So what are you kind of doing now? What, what is your outlet for writing at the moment uh, since you've graduated
1: so I, when I graduated, I kind of fell into like a slump and I wasn't doing anything really at all. I was, Shout out. I mean, I was working, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we yeah. all go through it. It's fine. <laughs> Everybody um, does it. <laughs> but I mean, I would started working, you know, cause I feel like one of the things that people don't necessarily prepare you for is how exactly you're going to like apply the skills that you learned in college. Specifically when you study like communications or writing or English, like how you're actually going to apply those skills to the real world for a company or whatever. So like when I first started working, I was working for a video production company in marketing. So I was creating videos and writing and doing marketing and those types of things. And so that was really my only outlet for that, for that, for my writing and for my creativity. But I didn't love it because it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Like, you know, I like to write and I like to create, but I want to do my own things. I don't want to do it for a company or for another person necessarily. On
0: your own terms.
1: On my own terms. Yeah. So I didn't love that. And so then I kind of had to shift my mindset. (laughs) And so I just kind of ended up, you know, more um, finding a job that I could just do and then trying to find other outlets for my creativity so that I could kind of write and create with my own agenda in mind.
2: Now, can, um, if, if you don't mind, can I butt in here for a second? I think this mm-hmm. is really important because I think a lot of people may go through something like this where they they sign on to a job that could be in quotes a dream job because, hey, I'm, I'm either moving to a new place or this is my first job out of college and it's in the field that I graduated in like especially for communication majors and stuff like that to get a job in that field is so hard. So you get this job and you're working through it and you realize, well, all of my creative energy is being spent on sort of this work that I'm not passionate about. You know, I, I have the skills to do it, but I'm just not passionate about this work. And then when I get home, I all of that all of that momentum is is gone. And and can you speak a little bit more of how you knew? you had to make a change. And in addition, was that scary to leave that initial job?
1: I think I just, I knew that it was time for me to stop like going down that road where I was going to be kind of like in a creative field as like my, as my job. Mm -hmm. I still am. I I still work in marketing, but it's like, it's not quite the same as it was like the initial career path that I had myself on. Sure. Um, Just when I was creating videos and spending so much time, writing material for this company that I was working for. And it just wasn't, it just didn't excite me. Nothing that I was doing was exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I, when I create my own things and, and I get really invested and excited about videos or, or writing that I'm doing, um, it's just like all I can think about and it. It's just always on my mind and I get super excited about it, but I was not feeling that with this, with my work and it just wasn't satisfying. And I, um, like you said i you know by the end of the day like all the energy all the creative energy is sucked out of me but it was going towards something that i'm not ultimately proud of or excited about so i knew that if i could just kind of save that creative energy for something that i could actually apply it to that i would be proud of um and you know more eager to work on for myself um rather than for a company or, you know, a client, like not that those are bad things. And some people love to do work for clients and for other people and they get a lot of value out of that. Yep. But just for me personally, I, I do things for me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm selfish, selfish about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm extremely I, selfish. I think
2: that's, that's a lot of insight, though, because, again, a lot of people who are graduating probably are going to go through something like that. Mm-hmm. And so and that, before we get back on the topic, what we were talking about before, how did you navigate the the? We'll even use the word doubt. How did you navigate the doubt of is this the right decision? Do I need to leave? Uh, will I get another job after this? Or or were you like applying to jobs and as soon as another one came, you you kind of just left?
1: <laughs> I mean. It ended up being like, I just needed a different job, yeah. um, for a few different reasons. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was not difficult for me to, to really leave the job. I think ultimately, mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel like it was like a place for me to be long-term right. and just, you know, definitely was time for me to find a new place for me to be where I could, uh, kind of make the most out of my free time yeah, <laughs> when sure. I have it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for your insight. I, I always find it interesting a lot of people are out there in their first jobs or second jobs, especially people listening to our podcasts. And uh, it's always good insight. Yeah,
1: it is scary to leave jobs, though. Like it's you never you know you're never guaranteed that you'll get one right away, or
0: right yeah. that you'll love
1: any job that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's scary right. to start it, new yeah, ones. Like exactly. yeah, I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, so uh, so how are you incorporating writing into your work now? And then also since that shift, what have you been doing with your creative work in your free time
1: yeah so right now i work uh for the humane society of the united states so it's a you know an animal protection nonprofit, um and so i work there mostly because of the mission um because i love animals and so that's i love that i've been able to apply the skills that i have in, in writing and marketing to a mission that you know means so much to me so um but it's less so the work itself i do do like copy and art review and i do you know there's a lot of strategy involved with marketing and, you know, making sure that the right messages are reaching the right people and stuff. Um, but, uh, it's my day job. (laughs) And then, (laughs) um, really as far as like creative work that I've been doing in my free time, I've been kind of also in a slump. I, I wrote a lot last year. I actually wrote think close to 60 pages or 70 pages of a of a novel that I was working on um it was long yeah like a manuscript length of 60 pages so um but then I just it just fizzled out and I didn't I didn't finish it or go back to it Hmm. um and I have like seeds of ideas for other stories I want to tell but I just I don't I haven't found the motivation or the time to put (laughs) any real you know, productive impulse behind them. So it's been difficult. But I've I've written a few, like, small, like, short story pieces. Um, just kind of one-offs, just at random times. Um, and I just hoard them on my computer and don't let anybody see so. them.
0: <laughs> Katie, you have no idea how relatable that is. I mean, I didn't write anything near that much last year. Uh, but I, I I was able to get something down uh and this is we've talked about my project loser on the podcast before Mm -hmm. uh but just writing that and then just struggling with where i wanted to go with that story and then kind of figuring out where i wanted to go but then also having these other ideas of oh this would be a cool thing to to do or this would be a fun script to do and then just trying to alternate between all these different things and thinking yeah i can do all these at once it'll be fine and, yeah, I, I, that's that's exactly the situation I've been in for a year, basically. So, yeah, it, that's a similar idea from earlier. of Just everybody, everybody goes through it at some point. <laughs>
1: and I think, yeah, and it's definitely hard when you, you know, have other things to, to do. Like, if your full-time job was to be a writer and to just, like, write and create, I feel yeah. like it would be so much easier to balance all those different things at once. But when you don't have that much time on your hands to do you kind of have to like pick one thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to pick one thing sometimes.
0: Exa- yeah. It's like, well, if yeah. I have to pick one thing, I'm just going to play a video game, you know? like
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Although
1: um, I've been reading a lot and I found that reading and, you know, reading other people's writing has mm-hmm. helped me. It's kind of done two things. One, it's helped me be inspired to write my own stories because I see, you know, people writing and creating these amazing worlds and stories and characters and I want to do the same thing. But then at the same time, I compare myself
2: oh, yeah. to, sure. pu- yeah, to exactly. published
1: authors, which isn't fair.
2: Welcome yeah. to the world of creativity. So, exactly. Yeah. And we talked about this last week, especially when there's a sense of competition, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Throwback yeah, competition. tips are 22. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: No, I, I, um, I'm not as much a writer. I am not a writer, I should say. <laughs> I'm very good at writing notes uh, for work. But uh, I can completely relate to that feeling of I need to consume to not only generate ideas uh, to influence my work and to get me motivated to do stuff, uh, but I also then start comparing myself to that work. And and whether that's, oh, I could totally do this better, again, harping on our last, last week's episode, or wow, this person is so much better than me. I don't even know if I can continue working because I'll never be that good, right? And of course that is, again, I'll use the word, that is... Doubt, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Right.
1: But I, but I think that whole like, oh, this person is so much better than me, and you know they would do it so much better. I feel like a way to combat that is to think to yourself that you're a completely unique person, wow. and your perspective and your take on whatever it is, even if you're doing something right. completely like like totally similar to what they're doing, it'll be different because you you're not the same as them. Like right. you have a different voice, you have a different style.
2: It's a very so. positive way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's easier to say it than actually enact it, but still. Right. Yeah.
2: I wonder. I wonder if uh, if that was the breakthrough thing to get people thinking about before social media. Right now, with social media, where where we have instant uh, feedback, whether that's likes or comments or whatever, uh, to tell us if it was good or not, even though it has nothing to do with the likes, the comments, or any of the interactions, right? So maybe before Instagram, having that thought of, you know what? I am unique, you know? I'm, I'm doing my own thing differently, and I don't care what you think. Uh, maybe that's a little more difficult these days, though, especially if you are starting to publish your work
0: to, yeah. to for people to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a kind of one of the key things about doubt is that it's basically just getting in your own way, right? Uh, so that idea of, man, I'm watching, like, I just started watching this show called Search Party, uh, and I'm only a few episodes in, but it's pretty good so far, and, and I'm like, man, even, like, a show that I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good, I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to do something like that, uh, it's just like, it's, it's so easy to kind of fall into those traps, uh, that you set yourself in, uh, and, yeah. So, how do you, if you have, try to break free of those, you know, pitfalls mm-hmm. uh, that that your mind tries to set up for you?
1: Yeah, definitely not easy to break to break free of them because it's kind of one of those things where you create a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> by telling yourself that something you're working on is no good and that no one will like it, um, and I think in a way that sort of almost makes the work worse because then, then you're just thinking to yourself, Oh, this is no good. So then you don't even like try it necessarily. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Maybe some people it makes them work harder. But for me, if I don't think like it's, if, if I don't think somebody else is going to like it, then I don't work as hard on it because <laughs> I, I don't need to impress myself. Um,
2: <laughs> sure.
1: But also I think it's important to go into, I think, especially with creative writing, um, you know, less so for, you know, if you're, if you're making like, videos and doing, you know, art that's, Ultimately, going to be for another person. Like, if you're doing client work or, you know, it's meant to be shown to people, then I feel like the audience in mind is really important to, like, to know kind of who they are and what, you know, what they would like to see or what you would want to tell them. But I think, especially for creative writing, um, getting out of the mindset that you're writing for anybody but yourself. Um, Because ultimately, I think personally, the best stories are the ones that are written that the author, just wants to tell, like just wants to tell the story. And it doesn't matter if there's anyone out there who wants to read it or listen to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if they are passionate enough about whatever it is that they're writing and the story that they want to tell, it'll be amazing mm-hmm. because it's the story that they wanted to tell. And if they get out there and they tell it, at least they've told it for themselves. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily matter if anybody else likes it or
2: yeah. even get looks it at your it. System. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. there's a, a feeling of, like perhaps that story is like a genuine story uh, because I think a lot of times if you start creating for the masses or create it, it, it becomes like a clickbaity sort of thing. It becomes something that is just, it's not authentic. Right. And yeah. so I, I think that's awesome because, and, and you can use that sort of style for any creative work. You'll talk a lot, talk to a lot of artists out there. They're doing it because they want to fulfill their creativity, and it's for themselves, right? And they feel good after it. A lot of our show, we're talking about how we can elevate our production to make more money and stuff like that. But this totally makes sense, right? This yeah. is this is this is so good. I wanna I wanna continue on something else that you were talking about um, about when that feeling of doubt comes in, and I wanna I wanna ask you when you start working on a project and you're and you're you start going and you actually have momentum that doubt isn't there, right? It's not until, it's not until the very beginning of the project before you even start, right? That's when it's like at heaviest or when you've kind of reached something of a, a block, I probably, and that's when, that's when you reread stuff and then your mind starts playing tricks. So you told us how we can go get through that, but is there any more of how do we actually complete a project once we've, we've had doubt, And then we started working and then it was wow the doubt's gone and now all of a sudden that sort of momentum has faltered a little bit the doubt starts to creep in Mm -hmm. again it's a a circle but is there more to that
1: (laughs) i wish that i could tell you there was some secret like method to being able to finish a project Um, because as of to date i have never successfully completed a creative project On my own without like a deadline like Uh Hmm. like for like not for like school or work like i've completed things for work and school because i had to right so um but for my own like in my own pursuit of my own creative you know interests i have never actually completed anything because i let the doubt get in the way Uh um but i think in some ways it might be helpful to even like create artificial deadlines in your mind or like goals, not necessarily deadlines, but like goals for yourself. Like try to try to just like set a goal that you want to write this much, or you want to, you know, get better at this thing by this time and just try to just try to do it to your, to your, your, for yourself. Um, That could be helpful for some people, but I think also there's just kind of um, not letting other people's, I mean, at least for me, my doubt comes from worrying about what other people think and that, Um, if I'm doing something too similar to other people, but it's not going to be as good as what they've done kind of thing. Um, but not letting that get in the way of your desire to tell whatever story or do whatever creative thing it is you want to do. Because like I said earlier, either way, it's going to be your creative voice and your own thing. So just kind of honing that and accepting you are a unique person and a unique artist or writer as yourself. And this is the story that you want to tell and it deserves to be told because you want to tell it so um no. it's maybe it's just a little bit of an emotional like you know um manipulation that you have to do for yourself <laughs> a little <laughs> a little bit That's of not a, the word i was
0: going to use but <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean it's you know a little bit of a pep talk sure um, yeah. for yourself give yourself a pep talk and tell yourself that it's whatever it is that you're doing it's good i promise
0: yeah During our break, we just wanted to remind you that you can be part of the show by emailing us at askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, topic suggestions, or general feedback, feel free to reach out and we'll be sure to include you in a future episode. You can also message us if you have any writing prompts for future editions of The Brainbow or subjects to explore in our series, The Art of Things. So once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it.
2: So we're going to jump back into combating doubt. And, you know, a lot of what we were talking about earlier is, you know, we've got to force ourselves past a certain barrier or something, or we're going to tell ourselves we're creating work that we're just going to, it's just for ourselves, right? Uh, and, and then something popped into my head uh, that I want to, I want to know if you do this. Do you have somebody in your life who that who you can trust, who can give you genuine answers and can read through your work and give you feedback that you need because a, a lot of I mean myself maybe maybe it's just different for everyone but I need feedback to grow uh sure. to grow especially in in the work that I'm doing. Do do you have a person like that or or is that st- that person out there still, uh, that's going to help you. Right. So I know Jacob has somebody like that. I mean, Jacob's that person for me, I've got a few other people, but I'm interested in, in, in your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I'm blessed actually that I have many people in my life who I trust and who, um, I do let kind of read my work and provide constructive feedback. Um, I just, I think it's helpful if, you know, you're interested, if you're a creative person and you, um, you know, thrive off of others kind of giving you feedback and and seeing your work um, to surround yourself with like-minded creatives, but also not like-minded creatives, like people who are, who have a different kind of style or perspective on things as well. Um, And I'm lucky that a lot of my really close friends um, and my sister are also Writers and creative people, so we kind of all share together. So it's less so much, you know, of just me like, you know, shoving things <laughs> at them, and being like, read this, tell me what you think. It's more of like a collective, <laughs> um, beneficial thing that we all do together. Um, so if you're able to find people who you know you trust and who um, you think would give you good feedback that you would actually listen to and, and benefit from hearing, then that's good. And, and there's also you know lots of groups and stuff on, online that you can find um i mean i'm like i'm in a discord with a lot of book people but we hmm. also like do a lot of writing and sharing writing as part of that as well so finding like nice. you know online groups for support um and that can give you more of the di- diverse perspectives that you might not be able to get from like your close friendships because you're getting people who are not necessarily you know living down the street from you
0: yeah <laughs> so <laughs> they're they're already on right. your right. team
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's interesting uh, the discord communities is always something that I've been intrigued by, but I've never actually partaken in, uh, similar to that hit record community that I mentioned last week, which is Joseph Gordon Levitt's, uh, big community of content creator, people and artists and all that. Um, yeah. So, uh, in terms of sharing your work for feedback, uh, when when do you think it's time for you to do that? Uh, is it <laughs> when you're starting to feel like I'm not sure about where I should go next or what I'm doing? So I'm going to send it to someone or is it more just like a, when it's done or I have a more complete product?
1: Um, I think it, really, it depends on what I'm doing. But for the most part, if I am working on like a longer thing and I feel like I've reached like a roadblock and I don't know where to go with it, then I feel like that's a great time for me to involve other people (laughs) because I think for Mm -hmm. me, I hit roadblocks and then I like, I, I just don't see any way around them for myself. Like I, I've never really been able to overcome that for myself, um, which is a problem, but, (laughs) (laughs) we're working through it. Um, And I find that getting other people's ideas, even if like I don't necessarily go with what they suggest or what they think, it helps get me thinking outside of the box or outside of my own head, because there's only so many things that are rattling around in my head at all all times. And I need some like (laughs) external ideas to get in there to help kind of like, you know, get me thinking about other things and other ways the story could kind of go. Um, So I think for longer pieces, yes, when there's roadblocks, but for shorter pieces and things that are, um, you know, kind of things that I can write in a night and then just like kind of glance over mm-hmm. and edit. Um, then I kind of share those more for, Hey, I wrote this. Tell me what you think.
2: <laughs> right. Right. My, my experience is that I experienced doubt the most when I hit those roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And so for me to show somebody work that I've hit a block from is so hard. That's my experience. Yeah. And so I find that awesome that, you know, you found a spot in your work where I don't, I can't keep going. I need extra influence. I need extra support that you have the will to find someone you trust and say, Hey, I need support on this. what wh- What can I do for that? For me, it's so difficult. I find myself and this is problematic, but I find myself showing people work that I've pretty much in my mind think is complete. Of course, in reality, it's far from it. But in my mind, I think it's complete to my best ability. And then, and then the real truth comes out to the people you know, viewing it and they say, well, you know, it's missing a couple components. And then I, I get, well, no, it's not. No, it's certainly not. Right. How dare you?" Uh, and I have to get defensive. Right. Right. How dare you? You have the audacity, right? Yeah. No, but, uh, but, but that's how I work mm-hmm. and that's problematic. But then I have to take a deep breath and say, I'm an adult now. I got to <laughs> I'm not sharing the Play-Doh. I'm, I'm going to give you half of the Play-Doh and we're going to share, mm-hmm. uh, that's a reference to myself as a younger child who probably wouldn't share the play (laughs) Um, but yeah, but yeah. So I, I, a little tangent, but I agree that's a phenomenal way to go about things in a professional manner.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank You you. Well, um, I think it's also helpful, you know, kind of what you were saying where you kind of, you hit a roadblock, but then you don't like, you feel like, or you've like, you've completed it and you don't want to like, hear any of the criticisms like leveled right. against you about it. Um, but I think it's also important to keep in mind that, I mean, especially with, with writing and and things, you know, that kind of are um, like longer and were like pieces of it kind of like set up, you know, the next plot line or the next scene or whatever is coming next. Um, like, you know, you're relying on previous things that have happened in, in the video or in the the story that you're writing to kind of set up what's coming to, to realize that it can, that anything can, you can change anything that it doesn't have to be set in stone that sure. Like you might've like written yourself into like this horrible plot hole, but there is a way around the it. Character, and right? so, the character. <laughs> sometimes the answer is to go back and change the beginning or the middle of the uh-huh. story and like just completely just do something different with it. And I think it's hard, especially if you spend a lot of time, like, you know, upfront kind of planning and saying, this is how I want this story to go, or this is how I want mm-hmm. this to look. Um, to kind of take a step back from it and, and look at it with a more critical lens and see, well, how could it benefit from changing in all of these places? Like, what if I did this in, in this spot instead of what I have here currently? Um, yeah. And I think that's even a helpful exercise, even if you don't end up doing it, because it lets you kind of like see all the different potential outcomes for whatever it is you're working on. And then you can kind of decide... <laughs> Yeah. Which one do you think is the best one?
0: That, that's yeah. that's kind of the the kill your babies mentality. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, what, it, what? It, it's, it's a phrase that's used in in I don't know I guess writing and and video editing primarily is where I hear it, uh-huh. but it's just the idea of of maybe you're editing a video or something like that, uh, and you have uh, you know all these these things that you really want to include, but you can only include some of them, so you gotta decide what you're gonna cut. Uh, and things like that so so yeah that idea of uh, maybe if you do need to go back and change something seeing where you can change things killing those babies Um, which (laughs) I I mean honestly that's something that I struggle with because uh, if I get 30 pages deep into something and then I'm stuck uh, and then I don't know what to do but then I think of something it's like oh well then I would probably have to change the rest of it how Mm, do you uh come to terms with I got to fix this this way or, or or kill those babies. I should probably stop saying that phrase before we well, get.
2: Jay, I have a, a slight, a small solution that we talked about with uh, Alex when she was on the show. And that is the difference of what the client gets versus what you think is quality, right? So there's the cut that the client gets because, and this is for video, probably very different for writing, but for video, the client gets what they want and usually it's not, creatively the best work that you've done it's probably the best work that they like but then you have your own that you put on your portfolio and stuff and so the babies aren't dead rather they're <laughs> alive and well just you know <laughs> hanging out somewhere out else. of reach of the clients um, <laughs> yeah yeah and and maybe we should we should change it from that to something like harvest your carrots or something i don't know keep your carrots in the ground or harvest right <laughs> uh huh
0: <laughs> We'll workshop it. We'll workshop just, it. That's a
2: great idea. Let's workshop it. Uh, but but I think that's that's what you don't have to get rid of your work, right? And even if it's in writing, it, you got a really neat idea for for something in your story. Maybe that idea gets jotted down and put somewhere else and can come out and uh, be influence something else that you write or show up in a trilogy you know maybe yeah. you're writing three books now right you, <laughs> you never know
1: yeah i mean you never know i'm a i'm an advocate of like chaotic like totally chaotic <laughs> writing process um oh i like this i like <laughs> i don't necessarily always adhere to it because like i myself am, am a pretty like organized like ordered person so i feel like when i start writing a like a book or a novel or whatever it is that i'm writing i have to start from the beginning and just go from there but i've been trying to get myself out of like that strict structure that I've set myself yeah. up for because yeah. I feel like you really benefit from if there's a scene in your head that you want to write that you can visualize so clearly and you want to write it, even if it's the end scene of your book or whatever it is, right? like just do it, like just yeah. write it That's and what
2: Jacob does just do yeah. it. And then, you well, know, then write do, yeah.
1: other pieces. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, ultimately if you end up completing, like filling in all the gaps and you complete the book, or whatever it is that you're working on, and it doesn't necessarily match up with what you had originally written, then rewrite it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I think that people, or I think that maybe what people who are not creative don't realize is how much rewriting and reworking there is in the creative process because it's so much of that is just kind of writing your first draft or creating your first draft, or then doing something completely yeah. different <laughs> next time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like
0: the like like draft one, draft two final version, final version two, final version three, yep. final, final. Yeah. yeah.
1: The secret <laughs> is it's never final. You just kind of keep going back
2: to it
0: Yeah.
1: and thinking of new things to do. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> well, that's when your, your internal deadline says, Hey, you know, it's gotta be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the deadline that you make. I'm not used to that again. I've only ever done stuff for clients that had a deadline or for school or, or so. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> it's hard to
1: manage yourself. Like it's not, yeah. oh, yes. especially when it's not like, like you're not relying on it as like your source of income. Like Absolutely. I'm not a published author or like, you know, making any money off of any of the things that I'm writing. So like really the only thing that I have to motivate me is just my own desire to write, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. which, you know, fluctuates and varies. And it depends on a lot of different factors in my life on how much time I have and everything. So really being able to complete something feels impossible because there's nobody really telling me I need to have it done for any reason or or by any time other than myself uh-huh. wanting to complete something at some point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. Yeah, We always talk about having that intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. uh, and that's something not a lot of people have and it's just difficult. And you know what else is scary? Ever A lot of people that I've talked to Say this: You you have the the most time you're ever going to have is either now or when you're retired. And are you going to write the novel when you retire? (laughs) Probably. Hey, what the heck? Go for it. (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot of stuff in between now and retirement, like jobs and potentially families and stuff like that. And that just, it eats up time. Mm. All of a sudden, the only free time you have is from 11 o'clock at night to midnight. And then you have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning for work. Mm. So that...
0: uh, yeah, it's
2: not it's not in our vision right here, but it's like not far from the future when we're, gonna, yeah. you know, we're looking for time and it's yeah. just not there. Well, <laughs> oh, now I'm just sad. <laughs> Don't be sad. <laughs> Don't be sad. All right, let's let's pivot a little. All right, <laughs> and let's go into doubt, but in a leadership role. So obviously, this this may be. We're interested in you talking about your leadership role in the video production team at Juniata. Now, you may be in other leadership roles as well outside of that. Uh, what does doubt look like in those roles? And how does it affect you as a leader or a manager? And how do you show the people that you're working, uh, who are working with you, just probably you're managing, how do you show them that? Uh, how do you not show them that doubt?
1: Right? Yeah. I think so. You know, when I became the manager of the video production team at Juniata, it was the first big leadership role that I'd really ever had. I'd never managed a team of people before. Um, So I really just kind of went into it having no clue what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought to myself, you know, what do I value in a manager or a person who's kind of leading a team? And ultimately I, you know, I value fairness and, um, you know, fun. Of course, I didn't want to be like no fun. Right.
2: Um, the two F's, right? The two F Fairness, fairness and fun. Right. But also
1: like, I, I, I love like honesty and candor. Like I, like I don't like someone who's like faking it or like, you know, trying to, to be someone that they're not. And so um, ultimately when I became the manager, I, I kind of thought to myself, I'm not the best video producer on this team. Like, I'm not the manager because I'm like the best at like what I what we're doing as like a team, um, and but I have the skills and um, necessary to kind of help people learn and kind of be you know reach their own their, their, I don't know, their, their, their peak of whatever, their, their, their creativity with video their final would become free. For their final form. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, Evolve into your yeah. final form. I will help you along the way. Yeah. <laughs> I will be your trainer on the sidelines.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Let me help you um, get from Charmeleon to Charizard. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, uh, you know, I just, I wanted to make it like as, as valuable an experience as you can, because obviously, you know, you're, you're students um, at, in college and you're working this job and, and it means different things to different people. So having to kind of understand that and understand that there are different personalities within the team as well. Um, and not everybody is on the team or doing video for the same reasons. Um, sure. For some people, like they're just doing it because they need a job on campus and that's totally fine. Totally valid. Um, yeah. I still want them to learn and to have fun and to do the projects that they want to do, um, and get as much value from it as they can. Um, but you know, then there are other people who want to go into video or creative work as like a career. And so they're in the video production team because those are the things that they're pursuing and they want to learn and take advantage of every opportunity that, could be possibly given to them, um, while still being you know fair to the rest of the team and making sure that everybody kind of has equal access to whatever projects they want to be working on, the things they want to be learning. Um, so I think for me the the doubt that really entered my mind as a manager was was am I am I being fair enough? Am I being considerate enough about everybody and what their like what their goal is in mind? And am I helping them reach mm-hmm. their goals? Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, then there is the other side of it where, like I said, I was not the best video producer. I I did not know how to use cameras the best or how to, you know, work Adobe Premiere the best. Like I wasn't the most um, tech savvy person on the team. There were people who probably knew other things better than me. Um, But so there was that side of it where it was like, well, if like people had questions and I didn't know how to answer them, like, is that going to make me look like I don't know what I'm doing? Like, you know, am I qualified to be a leader if I can't answer every single question? But I think that that's kind of where the honesty comes Mm -hmm. in. And people did ask me questions when I was manager about how to do things or, you know, they can't figure something out or something's not working right. And I've said, I don't know, (laughs) let's figure it out together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: I think it's just I think it's a matter of, um, I guess, not necessarily holding yourself above people that much, Um, because really, you know. In a sense, we're all kind of on the same playing field. I was just holding us together. I <laughs> was just the glue. <laughs>
2: for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, but for sure, I did. there was a lot of doubt. And um, Jacob can speak to how much doubt I had, because I feel like I was constantly running to him and being like, Jacob, God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no that that's it, it's a totally relatable thing cuz i mean mm. it, it kind of comes back to the idea of of imposter syndrome and how doubt can tie into right. imposter syndrome of it would be so easy to fall into the mindset of i need to know all the answers or at the very least i need to pretend like i know all the answers mm. but really it is totally fine to say the words i don't know but i mm-hmm. don't think in general people realize that enough i think we we all try to you know, pretend like we're better than we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: yeah. And I think in general, maybe, I mean, I feel like in general, people tend to see themselves, not everybody, but in general, people who see themselves in a more critical light than others do. Right, so, yeah. you know, of course, you know, being in charge of people, you might think of, uh, You know issues that have come up that you that you've and how you've handled it, and then later on you thought to yourself, oh, here's a better way I could have handled it, or you have that thing like where you're like in the shower and you're like, oh, that's a way better like comeback line for that like situation, or like a way better thing I should have said. That's what I should have said. Yeah. Days later, like you, you, yeah. you have like a perfect conversation with yourself in your head. You are like, "That would have been amazing totally if it had gone that way instead harder. of the way it did.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's, you kind of do the line from Seinfeld. It's like the joke store is running out of you. <laughs> it's that idea. <laughs>
1: exactly. No Seinfeld, anyone? Nope. Okay. But you are ancient, Jacob. No one watches Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> My dad watches Seinfeld. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, yeah, but I think that people other people don't necessarily have those same things about you. Like I don't sit here and think about my manager or bosses that I've had in the past and thought, Oh, here are better ways that they necessarily like all the things that they could have said instead of what they actually said. I mean, I guess if you have a really negative experience, then maybe, but for the most part, every little thing is not.
2: And and when you are a good leader, you can, you know, to, uh, show your appreciation and and to the team member that brings value to that team. And so, yes, perhaps there's somebody who has stronger skill sets in certain things. And as the leader, you know that that person is a very important part of that team, and you make that clear to that person, right? And and right. So, and at least yeah. that's that would make sense to me. And I feel like in my situations, I've had managers and leaders who who said. Your expertise in this and this and this brings value to our team. And although it's not the same uh, skill sets that I have, we can collaborate a lot easier. Uh, and and so fundamentally, it's a great way to be uh, a leader as well as to be uh, an employee underneath that leadership. Uh, and that's important. If there's any animosity between the two figures or the, t- the two people, that's when that's when things start to fall apart. Right? Yeah.
1: I really think that as um as a leader and when you're managing people it's important to 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 get to know the people that you're that you're managing like pretty well um and understand where each other's strengths and weaknesses are and then how you can kind of put right. them together to help out so you know where one person might be really skilled with cameras um don't put that person with another person who's also really skilled with cameras <laughs> like put right. them with people who um, maybe are new to the team and don't, I've never held a camera before. I don't know anything about like, you know, the different kinds of shots that they could use, um, and pair them with like, you know, someone who's really good, uh, with like post-production or writing, you know, and then, and then have them kind of all work together. Um, they you have yourself like a little right. super team. And when you
2: make those <laughs> type of moves as the leader, you, that doubt in your leadership capabilities, hopefully starts to diminish. Right. And it, you're proving to yourself that you can make those tricky, uh, you, you can make the decisions, which is what means, what makes you a leader, right? That you have to make Mm -hmm. hard decisions. That's why you're a leader.
0: Yeah. Those are the big brain moves. Yeah.
2: And the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's also just incredibly satisfying when you see a decision that you've had to make, pay off and have something good happen yeah. Yeah. and you can kind of sit back and just watch like the teams that you like you know have assembled like working together yeah. and like they're just like having this like this mind meld of a conversation you're like hmm. i did that <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i yeah. put them together yeah.
2: <laughs> huh that's yeah. fascinating conversation jacob we should pre- preview for another sh- episode down the road we should totally have one on on leadership and and leadership styles and yeah. maybe one we'll invite you back onto the show katie we'll, we'll have to see how that goes but uh, yeah. Add that and to the that's list. the list Cool, 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 cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well this this has been Incredibly insightful to me Because yeah. uh, I mean especially It's it's also just a nice thing Of hearing someone else describe Issues that you're having right now And it's yeah. like I'm not alone yeah. and, it, and that kind of thing uh, But yeah absolutely stuff that we can Dive into more uh, Later down the line but for now Let's do some definitely not procrastinating uh, and Nate, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Okay.
2: So yeah, we're going back to YouTube. Very, very great place to procrastinate. Uh, <laughs> so with the beautiful weather, uh, I'm what they call an amateur golfer. Uh, and so I've been getting into, um, obviously technique and skill, right? I started golfing a couple years ago, but I'm starting to get more into it this summer. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a channel called no laying up and it's kind of a plan, uh, where in golf, if you lay up, that's sort of like the easy shot, then you chip it onto the green instead of driving it onto the green or hitting a long ball onto the green. And of course the green is the nice grass, short grass with the with The flag right. in it, right? So they're called. No I play Mario Golf. Right. Oh, okay. Perfect. So we've got the people who play golf, the people who know golf, and the people who play uh, Wii Golf or Mario Kart.
1: Oh, love Mario Kart! I'm there. There you go.
2: So, so uh, <laughs> the uh, the episode shows that they're doing. They've got different different like shows going on, but it's called Strapped, and it's basically this company sends two guys out with five hundred dollars for. Uh, three days for like a weekend, and they have to play three rounds of golf. They have to survive on that money. Uh, and one of those rounds of golf, if they let me see if I get this right, if the, it's called like the money round, where if they shoot under, or they, there's a certain point system or whatever, anyways, they can lose a lot of money. Uh, and so then they're like strapped for money, right? And these are just like kind of two average, they're not like professional golfers by any means. And the best part about this is they're they're going to courses that are like public municipality courses, like courses of the the like the American golfer, the person who comes home from work, you know, has dinner or like has a snack, goes out and tries to golf or something over the weekend. But there's beautiful storytelling in it. There's a really nice narrative of you know, and and the of course the, the drone work and all the extra stuff is what I'm fascinated by because I, I just think it's really cool to have really cinematic shots as well as like have a story. And so I've been watching some of those and they go all all over the US. So $500 in Seattle, 500 in Tallahassee and all over the place. so So I've been watching a lot of that and totally not doing the work I need to be doing, but I get that work done too. So definitely yeah. not procrastinating. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right, Katie, do you have something lined <laughs> up for us?
1: I don't know if I have like a whole story like yours, you have, like a whole like, explanation. <laughs> I, I have,
2: <laughs> it is to be. We practice 23 weeks in a row. What do you, what do you expect? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, for me, I'm an avid reader. Um, you know, it, it helps me with my writing and my own creativeness, but also I just like to enjoy reading. So, um, you know, of course, I have a gigantic bookshelf full of books that I've never read. But I find myself, of course, on TikTok because where else are we going except for on TikTok? And I'm very active on BookTok specifically. So oh, wow. watching videos about people talking about books and interacting with people who are talking about books, but hmm. never actually uh, reading books themselves. So it's been... Um, it's been almost like a like like a meta form of procrastination by thinking about books constantly but not actually okay. reading any of them.
2: Is there nice. a word for that? I think maybe on our retractions next week we could talk. I'm pretty sure there's a word for somebody who thinks about books, buys them, maybe. Sure. It's probably a more. German word.
1: Definitely buying buying books and reading books are two completely different oh, yeah. hobbies. Oh yeah. I have both of them, but yeah. I've just been doing more of the
2: of
0: the former yeah for oh, sure. that's cool yeah <laughs> uh so for me uh i teased it last week it's loki oh here we uh, go uh, so i i mean i tweeted uh <laughs> something along the lines of after the loki finale went up uh it was like no, hot take but uh it's pretty cool that the mcu exists because <laughs> a man oh man uh, I, I watched the first couple episodes of Loki And I was like yeah this is a good show I mean I I think off the bat I was more into WandaVision And Falcon Winter Soldier and stuff like that But then in the last few weeks It's a six episode season of Loki I was so in And the last episode especially I just think it's so cool That, that kind of wonky zany time travel Doctor Who kind of stuff can be in the same universe where Black Widow just came out and it's the total opposite, but it's in the same universe. I just think it's super cool. See, you
2: need to be you need to be a little more you need to give us a little more clarity when you say MCU. Uh
0: that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you're not talking
2: uh, about Marymount California
0: University? No, I am Are not sure that was I meant the response to that tweet. Oh, well uh, I was but, just uh,
2: clarifying and I got yeah. two likes on that. You did my yeah, response. So I, was, I totally kept it up.
0: Yeah, you know what annoys me is people on Twitter who will like replies to my tweet but not my tweet itself.
2: That is, who do you yeah. think
0: you are? No, that
1: is one I of could, the most like I could call
2: out two right now
1: on air. How dare you go over my head? <laughs> you just, just completely, just bypass the, the tweet that started this all.
0: Yeah, but yeah, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is MCU, all of the okay. the the shows and and movies uh, within. The Avengers movies from Iron Man to Captain America to Thor Ant-Man. and it's
2: vast. Yeah, it's, it's a
0: lot. It is. I believe with Black Widow, it is now twenty four movies. And then oh, uh, with the shows that they just started, there's three shows: Wandavision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and now Loki. And they all coexist. Um, yeah, they're they all, all in the same intertwined universe. in this. Yeah, oh, my god, and it's so cool. And they uh, uh, once I'm up there. Uh, and we're living close to each other. Uh we're watching this, dude. Ah, all right. We're watching right. Columbus Crew, we're watching Tottenham, uh, okay, we're watching MCU.
2: Okay. I'm I'm getting excited now. All right. All right, all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're doing all of it. But yeah, Loki's a it. good show. Cool writing, cool direction. Tom Hiddleston's great. Owen oh, yeah. Wilson, shout out. Yeah. Also, yeah. he's great in that. Anyways. Yeah. So that's me. That's my definitely not procrastinating. Uh Katie, where can the people find you?
1: Nowhere. Under a rock. (laughs) Um, Where can they find me? Listen, seriously, almost nowhere. I do not really go on social media anymore.
2: Um, No mailing address? (laughs) Actually, don't tell us that. You really don't need to tell us that.
1: Um, I invite anybody to come to the state of Maryland and see if
2: you can find me. Do you you have a website or anything that people can find your work on, or is that not... I, Your work isn't published. I yet, don't.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't share my work really. I mean, I have like a. This is not really a creative thing, but I have a almost near dead bookstagram account with my sister. So if you want to follow me on there, we we never post wow. anything, but you can follow me. It's um, <laughs> at sisters get lit. Wow. That's where you can find All right. me. <laughs> yeah. you're going to get a
2: total of fifteen new followers. Yeah.
1: Wow, <laughs> and they're going to see that there's no new content for them.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of them bots, but <laughs> still, 15 yes, followers. Fun. I like that. I like that. Uh, Nate, how about you?
2: Yeah, uh, obviously on Twitter and Nate Ulrich16, just like last week. In the last, uh, I've been on Twitter since 2018. No, 2013. It well, tells you how that's long. That's a big difference. It's a huge <laughs> difference. I know. I was looking at my Venmo. I was on Venmo from 2018. You can find me on Venmo. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll drop that. <laughs> yeah, so Nate Ulrich16. Yeah. What
0: about you, Jacob? I am at Jacob Yesvec on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, cool. Come, uh, come actually like my tweets, please, and not Nate's snarky replies.
2: <laughs> like my snarky <laughs> replies. Also, I do have to say, I didn't have to give out any. I didn't have to give out any money. There was a couple episodes ago where I said I would give people money. <laughs> That's right. W- so it was from what was it? It was from Blue's Clues.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it was. Uh, no, well, uh, I played a clip from Blue's Clues. You played a clip from Blue's Clues, and no one said anything about that. Oh, but then you said, the "Whoever can tell you your band's name, the name you of would the band, and bucks. you know what? Twenty-five bucks that no one got." Yeah. <laughs> Which, I'm not
2: gonna. I'm not gonna say the name of the band. You have to find out. Yeah. That's, that's but now best. no
0: money is on the table anymore. No
2: money is on the table. Just okay. pride. If you have pride, <laughs> respond. Sure. <laughs> I think, I think we've had enough here. Katie, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. This yeah, was really thank wonderful. You. Thank you. It was nice to see you. Yeah,
1: it was so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that my, you know, doubt didn't bring anybody down. <laughs>
0: That's right. We lift uplift. We lift yeah. people up on this show. <laughs> yeah. cool. cool. Hopefully cool. we can have you again on soon.
1: I'd love it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.